Jesus. Oh, what a lovely name. What a lovely name. What a lovely name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for hope. Thank you for joy. Thank you for healing. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you that you're my way when there was no way. That you were my hope when all hope was gone. You came to where I was and you rescued me. I thank you today. I thank you today. Freedom reigns in this place. of the morning. Hallelujah. Slap your neighbor a high five and tell him freedom reigns in you. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated this morning. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning on the subject together for life. Together for life. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse number 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse number 9 said two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor for if they fall one will lift up his companion but woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up. Have you ever fallen and have no one to help you up? If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I want to talk to you this morning about together for life 
together for life. Your life will be much shorter by living it alone than we'll be having connections in life. Whenever I look back over the years that I have been preaching and ministering, there are several things that I wish I had known younger that I know today. But one of the things that I wish somebody would have told me many years ago is this truth that you need somebody. You need connections. You need other people. Because the vision in which God places in you, the dream that God places in you, you do not have the ability to make it happen alone. But God so created and put in you a vision and a dream so that it would require others to connect to the vision and the dream in order for it to come to pass. And I'm learning that. I'm learning that. I understand that better today than I ever have. But you see, when we come into the kingdom of God, the first principle of the kingdom is not growth, it's birth. You may join a church, but you don't join the kingdom. You pass a test and become American citizen, but you can only obtain citizenship in the kingdom of God by being born into it. And so Nicodemus, John comes, Nicodemus comes to John and he says, uh, we know that you are a teacher, Come or comes to Jesus, says we know that you're a teacher that has come from God, for no man can do these things and these miracles except he be of God, uh, be with him. And then he asked him, how do I get into the kingdom? He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can I be born again, he asked, if I'm, I'm old? Can I re-enter into my mother's womb? And he says, you have to be born. He said, you're born of the water and you're born of the spirit. That which is born to the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he said, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. I'm concerned about people today that know about God but have never been saved it's not good enough for you to know God it's because people today they assume somehow that because they've been around the church or they've been around the Bible or they know about God that somehow they believe that they are saved but God deliver us from people that are thinking that they are saved and they are not having a conceptual and a philosophical and an ideology that we are not going to really see happen because we think all of these things we perceive all of these things because of what we think in our minds but we have never accepted Jesus as our savior 
this week, a young man told me, uh, share, called me and shared a testimony and, and we'll be hearing from him sometime soon. Uh, but it wasn't able to be here today. But he told me, he said, I've known about God. He said, I went 18 years to a Christian school. He said, I studied all of these things. I know all about all of this stuff. He said, I know about theology. I know all of these things. He said, I was raised in the church in a diff- another denomination all of these years. But he said, it wasn't until recent that I experienced Jesus for myself. Too many know God rationally, but not relationally. They know him intellectually and academically, but have never experienced him in their lives. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He come to restore fallen man back to God. And this was the father's business. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world not to make everyone rich, not to make everyone famous, but to save sinners. Not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. I came that you might have life, Jesus said, and have it more abundantly. He said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Not to call religious people, but sinners to repentance. This is our priority too. He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. He that believes shall be saved and he that does not believe shall be damned. I believe the prosperity is good. I've I've had it both ways and I like prospering better than I do uh, uh, at the bottom. Man, ain't nobody listening today. I know what it is to have money to pay my bills and I know what it is to have more bills and I got money and I tell you it's a whole lot more fun having money to pay your bills. So I believe in the blessing of the Lord. I believe in prosperity. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He will not withhold any good thing from them who walk up right before him. Jabez prayed and said, bless me indeed. God wants us to prosper. He wants us to be in health. I believe he supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. He clothed the lily with clothes. He he is uh, feeding the sparrows that, that fly in the air. And I believe that he wants to bless us and he wants to provide for us. I get all of that because what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The main thing is to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things and now come on in. I'm going to make you ruler over many. After birth though, after you have been birthed, you need to grow. If you have a child, you have a baby, and you take him back to the doctor, and 
over the weeks and the months, he, they take those measurements, you know, and they measure his head and they measure his length and they measure this and they measure that. And, and then they tell you, this is the percentile in which your child is developing. But if there is no change, once the child is born, they get highly alerted that something is wrong. And so therefore, they put, begin to do tests and begin to find out before the child is ever able to explain anything to you. They are trying to figure out what it is that is stopping this child from growing properly. And yet it has become normal, it has become okay in the church to get saved and stay little. To never develop, to never mature, to never make progress, to never make movement or advancement. But we, the Bible says this, he says, well, we are to move from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And so he said this, he said, he shows progression. He said, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. He said, the end of a thing is always better than the beginning of a thing. He said, despise not the day of small beginnings. And so in other words, he reflects to us and he tells us things like that the path of the righteous is growing brighter and brighter until a more perfect day. He shows us and points to us and says, this is the way it is supposed to be. And we've made great strides in a lot of areas, and I thank God for it. We have made strides in our praise and in our worship. And we're not only singing songs about God, but we're singing songs to God. And I'm thankful for that. We have outreach and we have evangelism and we are using different tools that, uh, that are disposed, given to us so that we can do immediate, um, amazing things in mass media and, and producing information. Each and every week I get texts or emails from people all over this country that are watching us by the way of the internet. This thing goes, if they could understand it, it goes around the world. And and somehow people find us and and are being encouraged and strengthened from little old Clode in West Virginia. Amen. Amen. We have all of these things to help us move into spirituality and move us out of carnality. Carnality, carnivores, meat. Flesh, are you getting it? Moving out of ourselves, out of our fleshly nature, and moving into the nature of Christ. Paul mentions here the telltale sign of the flesh showing up. And he said it is envy and strife and divisions. There's one thing that seems to continue to evade us, to elude us, to escape us. And that is the unity of being togetherness. Because when you're together and you have relationships, then people have a right to speak into your life. When you have relationships, people have a right to ask you questions. Right? 
when me and Renee were married, it became her right to ask me, where have you been? Huh? It became her right to ask me, what are you watching? That's getting quiet. Huh? And when we have relationships, that's the reason why that people don't want, I I believe it's much deeper than this, but folks don't want to come together because they don't want any accountability to one another. But I don't know about you. I I thank God, you know, uh, uh, for everything that the Lord has allowed me to do in my life. But I want to tell you that whatever you think of me or, or whatever you, your, your mindset is of me, I'm, thank, I'm thankful as, as pastor. I'm thankful as leader. I'm thankful that I'm not a lone ranger, but I have somebody to be accountable to. Because when you're not accountable, then the enemy will pull on you and cause you to do things that you would never do if there was some accountability in your life. Peter and John knew the power of unity and they went together. Together to the house of the Lord. Together is found 10 times alone in the book of Acts. And it's telling us that we are to be in one mind and one accord. Amen. That we are to stand together. Because there is all that we are to have all things in common. Everyone needs someone to hold you up. Everyone needs someone to strengthen you. Moses needed Aaron and her. David needed Jonathan. Naomi had Ruth. Paul had Silas. The Lone Ranger had Tonto. There are some people that suffer not because, not because they don't pray, not because they don't know the Bible, not because they lack anointing. Some people are suffering today because they do not have a friend. Don't have nobody you can get real with. Nobody, you can tell what your real heart's saying, what you're really thinking. I'm developing relationships with this gentleman. He is a police officer. And he was telling me about the need on the police force to have a a chaplain or have somebody in spiritual authority to talk to. He was telling me how that they deal with all of these issues. And and he told me about some horrific things that he was sharing his heart about and, and devastating things. And he said, we see all of that stuff and then we don't have nobody to talk to. And he said, it messes us up. It messes up our families. It messes us up with being able to relate to people. It causes us, because we keep all of this internally, he said, it causes us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. And then he went on to tell me, he said, and he told me all this horrific stuff, but he said, you know the saddest 
thing that I ever had to do. I said, tell me what it is. He said, I went to a home where they found somebody that was deceased. Said he'd been there for, they thought about three weeks. They tried to find, they said, is there anybody? Does he have any family? Does he have anyone? And they searched, searched all of their resources and they could find nobody that he was related to. So they said, you know, they, the police department, he tells me that, that cell phones are their greatest resource. They can get somebody's cell phone and find out a whole lot about him. He said, get the cell phone. They got his cell phone. They opened it up and they looked and there was not one contact in his phone. They took him to the mortuary. They kept the body there for six months and nobody came to receive the body. Wouldn't it be a sad life for you to live your whole life and in the end realize you had not made a difference in anyone else's life? Wouldn't it be horrible to live your whole life and not have an imprint of some type on someone, but live your life only to find out that you lived your life only for yourself and your life did not really matter because at the end you died and everything died with you. Did you know that studies, this isn't something I'm just thinking, but studies have shown that Americans are the most lonely people in the world. We have more technology, we have more ability, we have more opportunities for connectivity, and yet when they do the studies around the world, it is said that we are the most lonely people in the world. That explains why that you can go on Facebook at four o'clock in the morning and people are ticking away. Huh? Facebook exceeded Google just a few months ago on the amount of people that are going on. There's more people going on Facebook every day than there is searching Google every day. People are desperate. People are dying, looking for somebody to connect to, looking for some kind of hope. But this is my concern as pastor. This is my concern as leader that we have allowed that same thing to infiltrate into the church until we have become isolated even in the church. We can come to church on Sunday and, and we need to come. The Bible tells us to come. Forsake not the assembling of yourself together as a matter of some are. But he said, as you see the days approaching, he said, get into the house of the Lord even more. So he tells us that we need that. But we come to church, but we make no connections. Have you ever had God bless you and you didn't have no one to share it with?
oh, this is heavier than I thought it was going to be, but it's real. Didn't know God blessed you, but didn't know how to share it because you didn't know who would get jealous. Didn't know if they'd be happy or mad. Didn't know if they'd be excited or tell you, well, just wait till the next time. It'll get you. And so you didn't have anybody to share it with and you just kept your mouth silent even though God had blessed you. You need somebody to eat a hamburger with. You need somebody that you can pick up the phone and call. You need somebody to tell your testimony to, someone to share with, someone to pray with. We need each other. I said, we really do need each other. We, I need you and you need me. Yeah, I know you look at me and say, what I need you for? You may not need me today, but there will come a time when you'll need the gift that is in me. And you may look at me and say, Pastor, what could I ever give to you? But I want to tell you that there is something inside of you that if we connect together will cause me to be better. That will cause me to be able to see the dream and the passion and the vision that God has placed in me. When we connect together our sources and our giftings together, we can do this thing better together. We're signing up today for life groups. We do, why do we do life groups? Because Jesus did life groups. And if Jesus needed a life group, then I need a life group. Jesus showed us how to do life together. Jesus built his own life group. The Bible says, calls them disciples. He took 12 people. He didn't try, even though we see after Pentecost that the world was turned upside down by these. But do you know, he didn't try winning the multitudes. He tried winning 12. And he took 12 and he poured everything he had into these 12 And as a result of him pouring everything he had into their lives, after his ascension, after he left, these 12 men turned the world upside down. In fact, it tells us that of one of them that said he did not know anywhere the gospel had not been preached. Matthew 26 and verse 30, 30, uh, 55, he said, In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out and against, a robber, as a, against a robber with swords and clubs uh, to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me, but all of this was done that the scripture uh, of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all of his disciples forsook and fled. What? Did you just hear what I said? Jesus is in the temple teaching. And then these people come to get him. And whenever they come to get him, all of the people he's been pouring into leaves. 
But Jesus went to the temple. Jesus went to church. Tell your neighbor, Jesus went to church. If Jesus went to church, I need to go to church. Jesus was in the temple teaching. In Luke 21, it said daytime Jesus was teaching in the temple, but at night he would go to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, all the people would come to the temple and he would teach them there. So if Jesus said, this is the New Testament church he's establishing, he's setting up, right? This is the order of the New Testament church. And he says, we need to be taught together in the temple. But then we not just come to the temple, but he he goes on and he says uh, that they are to do more than that. He said, behold, I send you a promise of my father, which father upon you, but you tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high, right? Luke chapter 24. And then he, so what did they do when they, this happened when they were empowered after Jesus's ascension, what did they do? He said, Aaron acts two, and now all who believed were together. And had all things in common and so sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need to continually daily, continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house that ate the the food and with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. He gives us this example here that they go to the temple, but they also do house to house. How can the church be added to daily If we only come to church on Sunday and Wednesday. But because it's more than us just coming to the temple. But there is a a house to house. There is a relationship. There is fire that is burning wherever we are. People can be saved in the marketplace. They are saved in our homes. Their lives are changed wherever we are. And then on Sunday, they come to the temple with us. Amen. Amen. The temple is church. That's Sunday morning. Mark 2 and 27, he said unto them, the Sabbath is made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. So we ask ourselves, is church not enough? And the answer to that is no. Why? Because of what I've just told you. It used to be that we had discipleship in what has been known as Sunday school. It seemed like to me that that would be the perfect time for folks to come and get involved and be discipled because you don't have to make two different trips. But people as a whole, a lot of folks don't do that anymore. And so it, it just because they don't do that doesn't mean we can, we can stop doing it. We have to disciple people. And it doesn't matter if it's on Sunday morning or Monday night or Wednesday night or Thursday or Saturday night. People must be discipled. Why? Because people uh, uh, don't come to church. Why, why do we need more than church? Because people don't come to church and, and, and tell you their business. 
We ask, how are you today? And we put on a smile and we say, oh, we're highly favored and blessed to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And you and your wife been fussing and cussing all the way to church. That's the reason why me and Renee quit driving together a long time ago. Because I ain't going to fight all the way up in here and then try to preach. If that's too much for you, just pray for me. But when you ask somebody, you say, how are you doing today? They don't, they don't say, uh, you know, they, they say one of these things, oh, I'm doing good, I'm doing blessed. They, you, you don't never walk up to somebody and say, how are you doing today? And they say, I'm fighting lust. And you look at them like, I had perverted thoughts. I thought about a woman that, and you say, remember that face. Don't ask that because it would seem weird, wouldn't it? How you doing today? Oh, me and me and my wife were fighting. I don't know if I'm going to stay with her or not. You know, people don't do that. Huh? People don't do that. We don't come to church and, and in, a, in a corporate setting such as this and deal with issues that really need to change in our lives. Huh? I don't know if my kids, what I'm going to do with them. They're crazy. They're acting like my wife's people. <laughs> we don't talk like that. Huh? I know y'all think I'm crazy, but every once in a while I say, that's your people right there. <laughs> She'll do the same. <laughs> but listen, the pastor, the leaders share in the temple, but people share in the homes. We corporately plant. We come to plant together but we weed privately in those smaller groups of being connecting relationships. I can talk to somebody about the weeds that need to be pulled out of my life. As I build trust, I can trust them that they're not going to talk about me, but they're going to pray for me that they're not going to judge me and criticize me but they're going to listen to me and they're going to help me. I'm I'm listening in the temple, but I'm actively participating in the home. We confess to Jesus privately, but we walk it out publicly before people. We, are we making Christians? Are we making disciples? That's the question we must ask. Christians believe We believe in Jesus, but the command for the church was not to go make Christians. The command for the church was go make disciples. And let me share with you today, it is much more difficult to make disciples than it is Christians. Because choices have have hindered discipleship in the church. 
where that no longer can we can we we speak into people's lives strongly how many been raised up in the church and and and, and those saints they didn't put up with no junk Today, if you discipline somebody else's child, you're you going to get like something on you like ugly on an ape. But whenever I was growing up, if I acted up, it wasn't my mama. Whoever is close to me, it popped me upside the head. It, they were anointed to pop you in the head. And then they'd go tell your mama. And when you told your mama, they're popping again. Huh? Come on, somebody. Do I got a witness up in here? And folk don't want the, the, for a whole. I'm not saying I believe there's somebody that wants discipleship. I believe somebody is tired of living a surface relationship with God. There's somebody that is desiring to be discipled. But discipleship is much stronger than being saved. Discipleship is following. Christian is being believing, but discipleship is following. Discipleship is a personal follower or a student of Jesus Christ. And that's what we must do, my brothers and sisters. We must grow. And we grow together. I'm sure all of us have seen the geese flying in a V formation, right? I'm sure you've read about that. There's, it's powerful how that natural things can give us a spiritual implication. But scientists have discovered why those birds fly in that V formation. The flapping their wings creates an uplift for the bird which is behind them. Don't live life so that you're only concerned about yourself. But live your life so somebody behind you can have it a little easier than what you did. It creates an uplift for that next bird. So that next bird doesn't have it as hard. It's easier on the one behind them. Whenever the goose falls out of formation, they will quickly feel the drag and the resistance of trying to go it alone. And they will quickly get back into that formation and take advantage of the power lift that is going on of the birds that are immediately in front of them. When the lead bird gets out, gets uh, tired, it drifts to the back so it can rest it takes the place where it is the easiest and another one will step into its place or fly into its place. And by flying in this V formation, they have concluded that the whole flock is able to go at least 71% further than they could fly in a range of their own. We can get there quicker. We can get there easier if we're willing to do it together. Two are better than one. Woe to him who falls when he is alone because no one is there to help them up. That's why when Jesus sent out his disciples, he never sent them out alone. He sent them out two by two. It wasn't because they were afraid. It wasn't because they were worried that the other one wouldn't have the right thing to say. It was because there is power when we connect together. There is unity. 
there's a greater consecration of release of power in togetherness. Some things you can't produce without union. No man or no woman can produce a child alone. I need to say more. God said it's not good for man to be alone. Right? Something supernatural happens when believers come together. If any two of you shall agree in touching any one thing in faith believing, it shall be done unto them. One of you shall chase a thousand and two of you shall put 10,000 to flight. This tells me I'm good if I'm only dealing with a thousand. But if there's a thousand and one, I need somebody. I'm in trouble if I'm not connected to someone. A medium, I'm almost done. A medium power laser and a medium wattage light bulb have the same photons. Photons. Futons, I guess, are in salad, ain't they? I thought I'd get your attention because what I'm about to say is powerful. These photons in a low wattage light bulb are the same as it is in a low powered laser. But the photons in a light bulb are bouncing around. They're everywhere. They're going wherever they will, bouncing back and forth. But in a laser, they're in line, they're in order, they're unified, and they're powerful. The light bulb will warm your hand, but the laser will cut steel. As long as we're out here bouncing around doing our own thing, we can be a light bulb. But the moment that we come together, we'll cut through the gates of hell. We'll cut the powers of bondage and hindrance and limitation. And we will begin to grow, mature, develop. And we become the sons and the daughters of God. You don't just... You you don't just get saved and then boom, you've got it all. One man was searching communities and regions doing historical things and he walked up to a park bench where a man was and he said, hey buddy, he said, has there been any great men born here? The old fellow looked at him and said, nope, just babies. Thank God for salvation. But there is a process called discipleship that calls us to mature and develop till we become the sons and the daughters of God that he desires us to be. 
I don't know about you, but I want to be all. I want to do all. I want to conquer all. I want to be everything that God said that I am. I know I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. Unity is the answer to the prayer of Jesus. That he said they may be one as we are one. If unity is what Jesus desired, then discord is what and division is what Satan desires. So we must be one. Huh? A songwriter wrote a song a long time ago. He said, you're my brother, you're my sister. So take me by the hand. And together we will work till Jesus comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. Because as long as we're together, we will stand. This community, this region is counting on us. And we cannot let them down. Generations are in bondage and the only hope for it is the church. But we have to be mature. We have to be developed. We have to be whole. I know I shared some sobering things with you today. I hope I haven't rained on your parade, but it is true. People are dying every day. That was as an instance, but people are dying every day that have never made an impact upon anyone. I've said it before from this pulpit. I'll say it again because it resonates so strong in my heart. The most rich place, the richest place in the world is not Fort Knox. The richest place in the world is not the bank. It's not Wall Street. The richest place in the world is the cemetery where unfulfilled potential, dreams, and purpose died with never being fulfilled. And I don't know if I'll go by the way of the grave or I'll go with a shout. But however I go, I want to fulfill the dream and the purpose that God has placed over my life. But I'm not going to be satisfied, Ralph, by just making it to heaven. People that are real close to me and know my heart, I, I want to leave my fingerprints all over another generation. I may never touch the world. I may never speak to the nations, but I can change somebody's life. I can help somebody. That they won't have it so hard, but they're flying behind me and make their journey just a little more easy. So that whenever my flight is finished, they can run on with some velocity and authority. And they can impact their region. They can impact their generation. They can make a real change in somebody else's life. Stand with me, please.